Welcome to the Knack for Business podcast, where we talk with experts around the globe about relevant business topics to help you succeed in your business. The hosts are Bernie Franzberg and Wayne Pratt. Knack for Business is about sharing knowledge, networking, architecture, connecting, and being creative. That is what Knack stands for. The common threads of any business are people, money, continuous change. In a diverse world, we are unique and face the same wins and challenges. In this podcast, we invite you to learn about what is out there and how connecting with people and ideas helps us. We cover a range of business topics from yourself, finances, legal, real estate, IT, social media, and anything else to the list that supports your work. Even your competitors have something to offer you. My name is Bernie Franz Group from Creative Insight. My co-host is Wayne Pratt from Motivate You. At Creative, we are B2B connectors, actually people-to-people connectors. We bring you those interesting business people that can help grow yours. At Creative, we help you awaken your knack to connect with the business communities and networks to leverage your business. Wayne, tell us a bit about Motivate You, Inc. Motivate You is a goal-setting and coaching company that helps owners and entrepreneurs be, do, and have more, including more fun. Quick thank yous for their support. First off, Carl Richards from Podcast Solutions Made Simple, the podcast expert. Brad Crouch, the property wizard podcaster, where I'm a co-host, and my business partner, Melanie Weber, plus Wayne Pratt from Motivate You for sparking these podcasts. Our podcast sponsor is NotionHive.com. They help you stay ahead of the curve with their strategic and award-winning full-service creative digital agency solution. They collaborate with brands all over the world. Today's guest is Curtis Cicalo. Curtis, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Bernie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Excited to be here. Curtis, tell us about your background. Where did you go to college? So I originally took photonic engineering technology at Algonquin College way back in the day. So we learned how to make lasers and lenses and that fun stuff. After about four years after graduating, I realized I hated it. Went back to Algonquin and did interactive multimedia design and spent the first, say, part of six years of my career building Flash games. I don't know if you guys remember Flash. Little web technology that lets you do like super interactive games and videos, like animated ones. Anyways, yeah. I spent the first little part of my career doing that. That quickly died once Apple decided they didn't want to have any part of it. So that part of my career fell through the toilet. And I decided to start my own digital agency. I spent about 15 years doing a program, e-commerce consulting, government consulting, and all that type of stuff. About four years ago, I decided to start a little startup called Voiceup Technologies, and here we are today. Sounds like a good range of experience. And imagine having the, building the Flash Drive yeah. games would have been a good precursor to what you're doing today. It all leads forward towards your ultimate goal. So basically, I like to say I basically failed and failed until I got to this quite in my life where I want to be and like failing, meaning I just, that I was really passionate about designing games, but that technology died. I was really passionate about e-commerce consulting and government consulting, and then just kind of fell out of love with it because it wasn't really giving anything to the world. And then I found a technology and a way that I can give, kind of build something interesting technology wise, but also help people. And that's where we are. Today's title, Home Sweet Home, You Speak, We Find. So first, tell us about VoiceFlip and the AI that drives it. VoiceFlip's a voice search company, specifically voice search for real estate. That's what we're in right now. And what we do and what our goal is basically to increase accessibility 
and inclusivity for people looking for houses. I don't know if you guys have ever looked for an apartment or a house on any of the current websites, but it's a very visual experience, which makes sense to some degree because you have to look at the pictures and all that fun stuff. But if you're one of, uh, you know, three million Canadians that have the literary issues, they can't really, can't read well. 140 million Americans who have issues reading. There's what, one in five North Americans have dyslexia. 15% of the population have disabilities where they have a hard time seeing. If you're one of those people, visual-based websites and searches are not great for you. We decided when we first started building our technology back in 2018, that voice could basically bridge a gap to help people with these needs find what they're looking for, giving yeah. easier access to technology and anything. We ended up building this technology basically let people say whatever they want on any website and find an apartment. So if I was looking for an apartment in Ottawa, I could say, hey, I'm looking for an apartment in Ottawa. Two bedrooms, three bathroom. I need a big backyard. I want it to have a garage, stainless steel appliances, Florida chilling windows. I need to be near a park, a gym, and also near public transit. We would pull that search up for you in a couple seconds and give you a result. So on the one hand, it increases accessibility and inclusivity, but it also includes for anyone else who doesn't have any disability issues. It just increases the speed of a search. So you're finding what you're looking for in 10 seconds as opposed to 20 minutes, half an hour. Do you find that this is driven through AI and does that AI require the person to train up or does AI train up to the person talking? No, we have AI and machine learning built in. The way it works is we're a business to business product. So we deploy our technology on a customer's website. Now we learn from all their customers using it and then improve from that. So every single person who does a search, we improve our accuracy is currently 95%. Well, we get better and better and better the more we go. The AI, we started building it in 2018 and we've been slowly training it just ourselves. But now we released our product into the wild early 2021. When you have real users using your product, it learns so much more and so much quicker than a couple of programmers just quickly quizzed it every day. It's been improving leaps and bounds. So for the AI piece, there's been a lot of talk about other applications that are AI driven, the chat GPT, for example, and or derivatives of that. Even I guess when we talk to Alexa, the Google variant or Siri variant, those are AI driven, correct? They are, yes. How does that compare to what you're utilizing? Does it use that as the backbone or how does that fit in? So we actually, we are incorporating the AI that drives chat GPT. So it's called GPT 3.5. We are incorporating that into our software. So we're not direct competitors with them. We actually integrate with Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. We use their natural language processing, so their voice detection. And then we use GTP 3.5 as a backbone to pick out certain keywords, analyze text and that type of thing, and then pull out the relevant results and return it back. We're actually using it in an interesting way too. A little bit of a spoiler, we're launching multiple languages of ours. So if you're a recent immigrant coming to Canada, don't speak French or English very well. You could search for a house and say Mandarin and Punjabi in, in 14 different languages using our software. So we're using ChatGPT 3 to, to do that also. The fears that some people have of AI overrunning basically their lives, do you see it that as an issue or do you just see it as it's just another tool like you've gone from a course and carriage to you're now using a car? It's an interesting thought experiment because AI will take away people's jobs in some markets, it's easy to replace some people with artificial intelligence, sadly, and it will fall through all your social media and basically whatever else and learn everything about you. But at the same time, it's there to help you. It'll make, it'll make our lives easier overall. It's something to be feared. While the companies running them, let's say, have mm -hmm. some sort of moral filter, I don't think we, we should be worried. 
That being said, a lot of companies don't have moral filters. They can see Wayne kind of have a smile on his face there. What I said that, it's a whole new frontier. We'll probably yeah. end up having government making laws around it and that type of thing mm-hmm. to rein back some of the uses of it. But I don't think overall, I don't think people should be feared. AI is probably used in people's everyday lives now. They just don't know from their smartphones to they're using Facebook to anything. Mail, anything has AI running in the background. Okay. And the one thing I found fascinating is the accessibility feature that you have. and. We've had another guest talk about websites and accessibility and making it more compliant for the people that have sensory impairments. Have you found that there's any government push to making this type of search feature a more common thing? There's quite a bit. Last year, there was a bunch of government grants to improve accessible technology. So the government is really looking to push that, pouring quite a bit of money into it. To be able to access any kind of information, say, even on the government website for people with disabilities, just by speaking is basically, I guess, it would be the ultimate goal. So there is a big push. We've actually been in discussion with a few government agencies at adopting our technology. I know we are in real estate, but our technology can't be pushed basically to any sector. There is a big push for this, especially I mentioned multiple languages. Canada is pushing immigration, obviously, quite a bit. And we need to find all these new immigrants homes and they can find themselves their own home with our tech. Do you find that would widen the scope then if they're using that to find the house that they would use that to find either local support or local, where do we have food to transit inquiring? In other words, how they can use the keyboard or is the platform voice solely for using on a smartphone? In other words, the keyboard's tiny, fingers are big, and you're just trying to find a quick and easy way to communicate. No, a lot of voice usage is actually done on a computer, a desktop PC or laptop, obviously, or even tablets, just because it's quicker. And again, one of five people with dyslexia, 140 million Americans have problems reading. So voice search and the response that comes with it, if the websites or whatever support it, is very important for people like that. 25% of all searches on Google.com last year, 184 billion, roughly, were voice. Really? And that's not all mobile. So a lot of desktop users, a lot of mobile users, it's a growing, it's a growing market, let's say growing trend. The last two weeks, I've heard nothing but open GBT. Is that the societal deal changer that they say it is? Or is it just an incremental product that is going to suddenly do what it does? That's an interesting one. I feel like it'll change certain things quite quickly. If you compare chat GTP to uh, like a Google search, if you're just looking for information, ChatDP3 is way better. It gives you concise and accurate information right away. What about having to go to a website? Meanwhile, Google, you have all these ads, all like spam sites and everything like that. You have to navigate yourself through. And Google has a couple of good answers. That being said, as Bernie mentioned earlier, do we trust ChatDP3 to have, or GPT to have their answers when we ask it a question? So that's more of a, you know, do we trust AI to have their answers when we ask it a question? So. I think it'll change things for quite a lot. It'll be GTP4, it'll blow everyone's mind, and that'll probably be the big societal changer. The next series of steps, and I guess from voice flow, if I'm searching for an apartment, the next steps would be, hi, here's the feedback. How do you build back the information so the person can either take it in and store it? How does that process work? Yes, we have a couple of ways. If it's auditory on the website, we can either give just visual feedback. It just sorts the departments, whatever. 
gives you a list. We could do it just voice-based. You can just have it via department lists for you and contact the landlord based on that. If you're on Alexa or Google Assistant, it'll either email you the list, text you the list, or show you the list of apartments or read the list of apartments. So whatever way you want to get the information back, we can accommodate it. And the most important thing is you can contact the landlords from your list. If you're looking for an apartment, that one sounds like the one you want. You can say, okay, call that landlord and it automatically connects you. Oh, very nice. And you can book a showing. We'll do pre-screenings. In other words, if I know some landlords need uh, certain requisite information ahead of time, a credit card number, a previous address or current address, I should say. Can it also, in other words, but fine to go, okay, I want to pick option one, option two, option three. And can I kind of sort out and filter on your behalf without sharing your information and then going, okay, you would be valid for this person's criteria landlord. Can I do that element or is that something you have to do on yourself? No, we can do it. We don't really like claiming people's personal information though yet, especially when it comes to credit cards. Like we will not touch a credit card. That's between the landlord and the renter. And generally though, people are looking for just a quick phone call or email to the landlord and they can sort that out after. Because we have, if we're using Google Assistant or Alexa, we have to ask them if we can use that information. And okay. that kind of that ruins the process. It ruins the flow, the chat, let's, let's say. Okay. So generally people just don't bother and they just Tell the landlord directly after. That makes sense. You probably are on several iterations by now. What did you start with that you found out was broken that you fixed? Well, that's a very good question. So we started out in 2018. We wanted to create a communication protocol for digital assistants. That was our main goal. We wanted to let Alexa, Siri, and Google Assistant basically talk to each other. That was our like, oh, we're going we're gonna to build this. It's going to blow open the tech market. People are going to love it. Other businesses are going to talk to each other. And that's great. After about, I don't know, three or four months of work on it, we realized no one's going to buy that. That's not sexy enough to sell to anyone, obviously. What were we thinking? So then we said, okay, we have this technology. You know, what digital assistants don't do really is they don't give you website information at all, really. If you search on Google Assistant, it just does a quick Google search, but then you have to also click. If you search on Alexa, it does a Wikipedia search. So you're not actually querying website. So we said, okay, we'll build a little platform that does that. Take website information, analyzes it, cleans it up, makes it usable digital systems. Set about doing that, say for 2019. And it worked, except we couldn't find people to buy it, obviously, because it wasn't, again, sexy enough. And people weren't really into digital assistants at that point, even though the market was growing. Changed their minds, went to e-commerce. So we said, okay, we've got these digital assistants. Everyone has them. They can easily buy groceries and food and any kind of thing they want with the digital system. Changed our mind, did that, built a whole platform out to start getting people to buy on Shopify. It's worked. We had a couple of initial takers, really good early success. We just couldn't find the scalability there, especially once the recession started hitting and everything, people started pulling back on their spending. So anyways, had a couple of contacts in the real estate industry. I pinged them. They put me in touch with some other people and we landed a couple of big clients in the real estate industry and found out there was a real need and a want for like real estate brokerages and real estate marketplaces for this technology. Retooled our technology again, did another pivot, retrained the AI on real estate, and then here we are. So we did about four, I guess, four major pivots to get where we are. And then I think we're in a good spot now. We finally have the clients who want our product, a growing list of clients who want to be onboarded, which we don't have time to onboard yet. And just the real one in the real estate industry for our tech. From the real estate perspective, is that something just local or is that Anywhere on the world. Anywhere in the globe. Now we're concentrated on English-speaking countries. So we have the United States, Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand. We do have a client in the Netherlands, obviously a Dutch, but pretty much anywhere. We're hoping to expand it to Hong Kong later this year. 
since they have obviously English and Cantonese. From a real estate side of the fence, what pain points have you taken away from that? One, it's searches are much quicker. That's the biggest one. Your clients come to your site, they say what they're looking for, they find your house or apartment right away. And it's like a 10 second search at max usually. And then they contact a real estate agent or the landlord as opposed to before. I don't know how long. If you've ever searched for a house, let's say realtor.ca, you spend what, 45 minutes, an hour just poking around, clicking on a picture, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, that one has a pool. Oh, great. That one has this. So that sounds nice. We reduce that massively. The second thing, the information you get back as a real estate company, but your clients and what they're looking for is fantastic compared to what you currently have. One of our clients, they have about 175 filters they can track, but their website only lists 17. Because if you have a list of 175 filters, it's just the whole page of things you can click on and it's not user-friendly whatsoever. So the website only lets you click on 17. We launched their product and about 60% of their searches were people looking for apartments in their schools or daycares. And they had no idea before. So they're getting new metrics then? Whole new metrics, whole new metrics. From the flip side of the coin though, if you're the end user, yeah. Speed obviously is the other key. What are the other benefits for the person to do a voice search? Better accuracy. You can find it again, exactly what you're looking for is the big one. A better user experience overall, because you get to basically ask what you're looking for, get the response back and ask more questions and narrow down more and more. That's it's just basically speed and accuracy for an end user. That's all they want. People oh, don't have time doing two or three jobs, running Uber Eats or what have you on their spare time. People don't have time to look for houses anymore or apartments. They just want to find a place that's cozy, that has what they want and get it quickly. If you come up to the system as an end user and say, look, I'm looking for a house in Ottawa. They'll say, okay, that will come back and prompt you. Tell me some more information. One bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom. Or is there a script that you should follow as the end user? Much as if you're looking at the 17 filters you start off with. How does that process flow? So we do it in two ways. Our hope is that someone comes in and does what we call a long tail search right off the bat. So I'm looking for a house in Ottawa, two bedroom, one bathroom, backyard, pool, near bike path, blah, blah, blah. And they do that one search and it gets the result they want. That doesn't always happen, obviously. Sometimes people forget to say where they are, what kind of whatever, anything. So then we prompt them. We just keep prompting and have a conversation with them basically until they get the results they, they're looking for. Okay, so say almost like a chatbot, except it's live engagement for the between the AI and you, the end user. And once we finish integrating our GTP 3.5s, it'll be even better results. It'll basically be like having a conversation with a real person. The internet says that we can go anywhere in the world. And then when you're being realistic, you said you can go anywhere in the world where they speak your language. Do you have to microfinance the language of real estate so... They're buying flats in England instead of homes. They're, how do you deal with the nuances of other countries? We actually get one of our technology innovations is get this like a translator, machine learning type AI thing where it does a translation for us. So it'll detect that. It learns that. Because even here in Canada, a lot of people look for flats. Like a lot of people look for flats. Surprisingly. Wow. And if, and if you're looking for, say, a cottage, you want to rent a cottage for a weekend. You're looking for a cottage here in Ottawa, you would say cottage. If you're from Northern Ontario, you would say a camp. If you're from, I can back and say cabin, even something like that. All across Canada, people say things differently. So we learn that. We train the AI trains and improves our software as we go. The difficulty is once you go to another language, like say Mandarin, taking all those, say a flat, camp, cottage, blah, 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 and translating those to, but we manage. It takes a lot of testing, but we manage. When you're entering in a market, how long does it take for the platform? Let's say you're in the Ottawa Valley and then you decide to go to Toronto or you're going to British Columbia or even up in the valley. 
I guess the vocalizations are different, just accents on there. How long does it take for the platform to go? Let's say I'm a realtor and I'm in the northern part of the Ottawa Valley. And I, so how long is she going to take, eh? And the yeah. macro is going to... So if I'm looking to integrate that into my space, and most of my clients are in that space, how long will it take? Or I'm coming from the East Coast, for example. The accent will be more, more stark. So anywhere in Canada, not an issue unless you're from Newfoundland. Like, I no offense to our Newfie friends, but it just does not work that great in Newfoundland. Okay. Unless they speak slower to the assistant. And I think that's an issue with Alexa and Google Assistant, everything like that, just with the accent. Uh, but yeah, anywhere else in Canada, there's, we could be in that market within a couple of days. Look, it does remind me of a comedy sketch of these two guys from Scotland getting into an elevator. And it's all vocal driven and they're not going anywhere. The only way you yeah. can get out of the elevator is someone called the button <laughs> and the door opens up and they get out. That is a classic comedy sketch in the, the voice space. So where do you see the future going next with voice flip? What we're trying to do is help people fulfill their basic needs with voice, mm-hmm. shelter being one of them. Another one would be just basic access information. So we want to expand into really anywhere where people need large amounts of information. It's hard to get like government websites, I think would be good government services when we're talking to people there. From the real estate side, we'll probably expand into every single market we can. Obviously, it's super easy to scale now. And then probably back to e-commerce, hopefully for like food and that type of just so people can fulfill their basic needs. Maybe we'll do some good in the world with our tech. Is it the evil voice tree that on the telephone that turned people against AI is science fiction movies? Where's the fear coming from? That's a very good question. Science fiction movies don't really help. You see the AI take over the world. Never helpful. Probably not super realistic. But honestly, bad IVRs, which is the, the phone voice things, like when you say call Rogers or Bell and that type of thing. That has turned people off of voice technology quite a bit because they've been bad for years. And I know the companies spend money to improve them every year, but they never seem to get better. That definitely turns people off of voice specifically. It's a strange one. I guess if you're, if they'll name your system Hell from the movie 2001, you'd be fine then. <laughs> That's the classic example. From a, a green technology side, does this provide a more green way of handling information, moving information? Because it's yeah, like it's- natural. It's funny you mentioned, I tried to do some research in last year comparing how fat, like obviously our search results are faster. Well, a quicker search results mean it's using less processes and using less computer time and all that fun stuff. So we're obviously generating less carbon and less emissions and everything like that. Do our searches. So the answer is, I think, yes, I tried to prove it and I could not because I couldn't figure out how much, how much like carbon our servers were emitting and how much emissions our, ser- our servers are using, our client servers, that is. Like on scale. My theory is yes, like quicker search, you're spending less time on your computers, depending less time on your mobile devices or whatever, using less electricity. It's a good rule of thumb. In theory, I think that's what I can't prove it. Anyone out there wants to help me do research on it, I'd be really glad. Well, that'll lead into the, when we do our final stages, how to get a hold of you. So Curtis, at the end of the day, it's us not being afraid of the AI. It's there to help us. I do know that both Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Apple track what we're doing. Is this something that when I'm using the service, I know it's being tracked, but is there any other latency tracking that's involved either to benefit me or that's part and parcel of it? Or is it just, it's a very self-contained, I'm looking for a house, blah, 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 blah. And that's it. And the other services aren't picking that information up. I don't share. No, we don't share our information with anyone else. I'll be anonymizer information too. So 
nothing is specific to you. The only time it ever is specific to you is when you log into one of our client sites using voice. They will obviously be sure our, your information with the client. But you already have an account with them. But other than that, everything's anonymized. We just want to know what you're saying. Other than that, we don't care who you are. Okay. So do you have to set up an account as the, no, if you're the realtor, you'd have to set up an account. You got to establish the service, which makes sense for the website. But the end user, do you have to set up an account or is it you just walk up and you engage it? And the only time you need to set up an account is landlord or person who you want to do a transaction? No account required for an end user. You only set up an account if you want to link to your real estate agent's website, let's say. You already have an account there. You want to link both services. That's the only time you would. Other than that, it's just the real estate agent or the real estate marketplace. I guess there's two clusters of folks that want to reach out to you. The real estate agents or the brokerage firms or the landlords. And those people that want to know where your service is available, what's the process to getting hold of you? The best way would be to email me. It's Curtis, K-U-R-T-I-S at voiceflip.com. Nice and easy. Or you can just go to the website, voiceflip.com and fill out the, uh, the form we have at the bottom there and I'll answer you. That's great. So what are the top takeaways for our listeners at the end of the day about the use of AI and voice flip? I would say don't be scared of AI. It's mostly there to help. Be like anything else. Be leery about the services that use it. It's going to track your information no matter what. Twitter's going to track you. Google's going to track you. Siri's going to track you. AI just makes it a little more efficient to track you. So be leery of the services. Don't be leery of the AI itself or the term AI. It's going to help us. It's going to change the world no matter what. GTP4 will be the mm-hmm. one that actually changes the world. 3.5 here or ChatGP3 is just a kind of a middle until we get there. Voice flip is about inclusivity, accessibility, and making it easier to find real estate or housing for anyone. We work across the world. We work on Google Assistant, Alexa, Siri, and the web. And uh, we're happy to talk to anyone. That's great. Thank you so much. Curtis Sicalo, my co-host, Wayne Pratt, and you, the Mac for Business listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And to reach me, I'm bfranzgrote at creativeinsight.com. It's B-F-R-A-N-Z-G-R-O-T-E at K-R-E-A-T-I-V-I-N-S-I-G-H-T.com. Website's creativeinsight.com. Wayne, how can folks reach you? The best way is my website, M-O-T-I-V-E, the numeral eight, the letter U, dot C-A. That's motivateu.ca. And my email is Wayne at motivateyou.ca. Thank you for listening to Mac for Business. If you like this content, we have more coming. Like and subscribe. Give us a review. Until next time.